Welcome to the Rock Your Life Show. Where questions meet answers. The profound meets the mundane. And we help you rock rock your life. life. We are your hosts, the Vignatis. I'm Tracy. And I'm Fabrice. Well, ho, 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 tis the season. Can you believe it's December? It is December. It's all decorated here. It's so, it's like a Santa's village in, in the house, and I love it. What's the new things we got this year? Oh, got a nutcracker. Yeah, we he, well, he's what, about three? Three feet. Three feet tall-ish? Wonderful. Something like that. Oh, my God, he's adorable. A nutcracker. He's so awesome. I yes. love him. Anyway, so welcome to Rock Your Life Show. Uh, this is the uh, uh, end of the year 2021, and we have, as a gift, we have the uh, part two of the uh, music podcast that we're doing, the first one being uh, the uh, interview on music as a language, a universal language, and now we're doing the part two, which is uh, our journey, and because when we were oh, talking about it... boy. We had so many stories we wanted to include in this, yes. but you know what? There's too many, and they are absolute. I mean, I was in tears with oh, a lot yeah. of them, well, so okay. we're going to do a part three. Yeah, we're going to do a part three with that, so uh, it's coming up. It'll be Serious in 20, comic yeah, relief. In 22, so. Oh, la, la. Right, so um, part three is about our journey. Part two is about our journey. Yeah, it's our personal, uh, our personal journeys, our backgrounds, our stories, so things you know, like that. Yeah, so you know a little bit more about us and what we do. And uh, how did we got where we got? All right. So, uh, well, before we get started, what I yes. did want to do is um, mention to people that oh, we, I really, we really would like for you, if when you have the time, if you would, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It would really help us out a lot. And uh, I wanted to read one to you guys right now, if you don't mind. So here is one from Bertie Burt. I enjoy listening to the Vignatis. They are so well-informed, and you can tell they genuinely care about the topics they're discussing. Well, thank you, Bertie Burt. We appreciate thank you. it. So you see, put one, just what your feelings are. That's all you need to do. Yeah, you just go to Apple Podcasts and scroll down until you see ratings and review and then write a review and... You know, you click on the stars and all that stuff. So that would be super duper helpful. Thank you. So Tracy, let me ask you a question. Oh, here we go, folks. Okay. Where do you come from? Where do I come from? Boy, we're going to dive right in, aren't we? Yes. Well, as I've mentioned before, some of you might know I'm an Air Force brat to a career man. So there was a lot of discipline in the house. I was born in Northern California in Marin County. And we moved around a lot when I was a kid. I went to about five or six different elementary schools and upstate New York and Minnesota, back to upstate New York and settled in Georgia, where I ended up staying there and uh, going to school. The and, South. Yes, the South. Hence my uh, little bit of my country. Mm-hmm. I, the house is never without grits. Any musician, parents musician? Well, mom was a singer. She sang in big bands and oh. jazz combos and stuff. So That's right. So you did that for somebody in your, in your house. Yeah, it was just mom, though, but dad was not so much. You have a brother? Yes, I do. Okay. And he was, uh, he played saxophone throughout high school and stuff. And obviously, you are not born in America by the accent that we all hear. (laughs) No, I'm not. And he's not Israeli either, and we get that a lot. Oh, yeah, I got that. Just the other day when we had an electrician here at the house who thought you were Israeli. It's unbelievable. Happens all the time. I don't know why. Yeah, me. Yeah, I got this accent, uh, French accent. I'm actually uh, uh, French Italian, half French. My mom is French. My dad is Italian. Uh, none of them are musician. My dad was a mechanic, and uh, my mom was doing uh, uh, cleaning. And then after that, they got a little shop. I was born in a beautiful place called Exleben in the south in the southeast of France, next to Switzerland, in the Alps. So I ski a lot. And then uh, after that, by the age of eight, um, we moved to a place called Lyon. Which is uh, beautiful. Isn't that the uh, the food capital? Yeah, it's the food capital of France, uh, which was a beautiful place. Not the pla- the part of Lyon I was uh, living. It was kind of the ghetto, the Bronx. A lot of uh, uh, African and a lot of uh, North uh, African uh, Ar- Arabic people, but wonderful time. Uh, and um, I stayed there until I was uh, eighteen years old. Yeah, so ten years I spent over there. So, and I have a brother that lives in Switzerland. 
uh, was a big influence for me on music. Never play music, but uh, you'll hear that after. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the that's the. Uh, but but like you mentioned, you said your mom was musician. Obviously, she was singing. Yeah. So so she didn't play instruments. She, yeah. Oh, she didn't play instruments. No. Yeah. So so, I mean, as as much as you can remember. What was the first in, your first encounter? She was my first oh, introduction. Was. I would have to say, okay, yeah. you know, uh, uh, that's my first vivid memory. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, I just heard I, I she had these cards and she wrote all of her old jazz standards on it and the keys that it was in and you know the writers and all. I mean, she was very detailed. There are this on these index cards, but yeah, that's how I learned all those. You guys have the piano. I did later on, did later on when yeah. I started taking lessons in yeah. third grade. Amazing that she was not playing and that you were... No. No, she was singing only in the... You know, Great, amazing internal ear, though. And your first encounter was like, well, exactly. I mean, yeah, I was so young. I mean, I was singing before I was, you know, breathing, probably. But the exact moment, do you remember? Or no? uh, I would have to say around maybe age three. Wow, that's young. Something like that. How about you? Yeah, but me, what I, do you think? I think my first encounter was... The first encounter of music was when I, w- I used to go to village uh village party and i remember going i couldn't go at night that much because i was too young but my parents would go uh, dancing because over there there was a lot of uh, musette you know accordion mm-hmm. and musette and a lot of what they call the bal musette and there was a lot of uh, d- dancing and at the afternoon there was the band that was going there sometimes it was accordion with a band or sometimes it was gypsy playing uh but i would hear those two music most of it and uh, that was my first memory of seeing live music and then listening to music. I was really young. Um, so I would not go to the village uh, at night because I was so young. I was st- stay in bed or, or, or st- stuff like that. But no, it was my first memory. Maybe some music at home too. Maybe my dad put some vinyl, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, what, that's pretty well, much. Well, then, since you were so young, what were yeah. some of your early influences and maybe what about an instrument or performance well, the what happened to me is that i found out the vinyl of my dad um now mind you my brother is 10 years older so when i was uh, uh when i was eight he was 18 and even younger when i was six he was already uh, oh, 16 God, so it's horrible for it's, him <laughs> yeah it was horrible for him but but the thing is that he was already aw- listening to a bunch of stuff that i was not because uh, i'm six and he's like so he's bringing stuff but the really early influence as a child was mainly my dad's record. But he had some Jerry Lee Lewis, Chuck Berry, uh, Elvis. Um, he was listening that. My mom was listening a lot of Wars mm-hmm. and was listening a lot of Richard Strauss, you know, uh, classical music, Sibelius. Uh, I remember that. That's that. And then, of course, my brother used to bring back all those records. Uh, he brought back um, so many of them. Uh, Plus took me to a bunch of a concert, but mainly was at that time was English because he was we had good friend English and it was a lot of English. So I, I learned I learned uh, about you two really young before even uh, the first album came. But the English are always so great. It was English with sound so, so, and music yeah, so, and new ideas. Exactly. So really. it was that. So Clapton. It was a, a lot of a, it was a lot of a UB40, uh, Undertones, Human League. It was Dexys Night Runners way before. And after that, it was all the Dire Straits stuff. And then it was uh, uh, all these big bands, Led Zeppelin, The Woo. Everything was English, mainly. Was then I discovered one day he brought, he brought back a Bill Big Bronzy. And I was incredible, a big, big bronzy, because I heard the first time something really American, despite instead of Elvis and Jerry Lee, but he was, he was that, and he was the blues, and I got hooked up to the blues. And then after that, he brought, of course, he brought Jimi Hendrix at the Fillmore, and that was crazy. That was my first very influence. And then the music that I was listening at the, the gypsy music at, the, at those party, the village, at those party at the village, and as well the. Uh, the uh, uh, music, a lot of accordion. And my first instrument, well, uh, it was between piano and, uh, uh, Tracy was between piano and uh, guitar. And I remember I was, uh, I wanted to do guitar and my parents bought me a, a piano, like an organ, and I started to learn a little bit. And then they bought me a guitar, a classical guitar. 
with with those strings that I remember was pink and it was called it was written Savarez. And now, funny, thirty years after, you, Tony, you I'm endorse in, the I'm company. I endorse the company, and I'm good friend with the owner. Yeah, that's it's a funny. company that's two hundred and fifty years. But that was between piano and and I, I learned both. And then I went to guitar because I listened so much guitar music. And that's why my first, I remember my first performances was in a camping where we were in caravan because we were, we had a, my dad has a caravan and we were going around uh, uh, every year. And I remember um, that was the first time I really played. But my first, first performance in front of a lot of people was blowing in the wind from Bob Dylan mm -hmm. in front of a 200, 250 people. That was amazing. My mom came, my dad didn't come, but that was my first part, blowing in the wheel. It was great. Yeah. I, was, I, was, I always want to sing and play. It was not only playing, mm -hmm. it was singing and playing, but playing was mainly, you know, that, that's what it yeah. was. Yeah. Well, and you? I mean, well, of course, your mom. Yeah. I think yeah. the earliest influence for me, of course, was parents. And I remember my dad got me a Beatles, Beatles? vinyl. Wow. And uh, there's some movie soundtracks and, you know, movie musical soundtracks. And that was probably my first. And I do remember a kindergarten teacher that was also instrumental in that. But I think because uh, then you learn like American folk songs and you, you you use percussive instruments. And, you know, you're a little kid, you're five years old or whatever. But I remember my first instrument wasn't even actually a real instrument. It was a floor model organ. And it had it was about two out octaves or yes. smaller keys and these buttons that had four major four minor chord buttons you plug the electric organ in, and then you would i was just futz around with it. i was fascinated by the sound but my first real instrument was piano in third grade i wanted to take i took lessons for a couple years and then went on to clarinet accordion in, did in you seven, oh yeah that's right i forgot about that in you, second grade second. i played accordion when dad was stationed in korea for a year and so it was just mom and us so she got me accordion lessons from this guy named Nick Nicotera. Don't ask me what he did for real money. I don't want to know. Okay. There's a lot upstate. That was in upstate New York. There's a lot of Italians there. So I don't know what the guy did for money, but it wasn't teaching little kids accordion. Yeah, of course, in Italian teaching. Cause, yeah. yeah. That's what that's what happened to me with the Italian side. A lot of accordion. Yeah. Oh, for sure. They're just all into it. So in your first performance. My first performance, though, I remember that like it was yesterday. It was kindergarten, and it was they needed someone to sing silent night at the school assembly nice so they asked me when i was five years old in mm. kindergarten and i remember what i was wearing i remember it like it was yesterday and my mother said it was pitch perfect so i remember the, what the piano looked like everything about it amazing amazing how we remember I know. things. it's uh, crazy it, it, it's, it's crazy that's fast so so uh, i mean you we have two different background uh musically i mean the way yeah. that, that we got, got raised up with music mm -hmm. from 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 you know, maybe eight years old to eighteen, but you were you were more like you have a more formal education than I have. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I was a little kid, like I said, I started on that floor organ, kind of futzing around and teaching myself that. Then I took accordion lessons, so I was reading music already when yes. I was like six, what seven, whatever seven. second grade. Yeah, and then I did that while we were there for a year. Then we moved to Georgia. And then I took piano lessons for a couple of years. Wow. And again, continuing to read. After that, went on to um, playing clarinet in the seventh grade through 12th grade. Wow, so three instruments. Yeah. And, you and, and then you're singing all the time. Always. Singing was always number one. But, yeah. And, and I would accompany myself in high school and like shows and things like that on piano. But, um, but yeah, and then I went on to, uh, contrary to what my dad wanted, he wanted the white lab coat for me which did not happen because I made the decision not to do it, but went on to study, uh, become a music major and as a voice major And did in you college. do gigs when you were young? I oh, mean, I did gigs, sure. Well, you were in Georgia, so they must have been country stuff. Yeah, when I was 14, I sang at this amusement park in the That's summers. Fun. And it was all country music. That's where I learned a lot of country covers. So you guys were doing the country classic? Yeah. Loretta Lynn and stuff oh, like that. Oh, of course. The Kendalls, all the old stuff. Wow. Crystal Gale. Your yeah. mom must have loved that. Yeah, she did like it. But, she, you know, you have to remember, my mom came from jazz. So that's, I grew up with that vinyl. Like, you had your dad and yeah, all the yeah. 50s and everything else. Yeah. And I had the 40s era. Yeah. Which the big band they and the Ella that. Fitzgerald and Nat Cole and Mel Torme and all that. That's what I was kind of inundated with as a kid, which is why, also why I love it so much. But when you go in the South... And you live in the South, especially as a young kid, it just gets in your DNA. Wow. 
You, there's just no way around it. You're going to learn country music because it's everywhere. Yeah, country jazz is your main background. That's yeah, that's it. But but I, I mean, you, yeah, you formal, and then you went to a, to a. Yeah, but even when I was um, even you, in high school, I was singing in cover bands, and you know, and would get called to do weddings and things like that. You know, to do solos at weddings. But when I was in college, I was the black sheep because in the when you're an opera singer, you don't really do anything else. So. Yes. I was I making my beer money on the weekends. I'd come back to from the weekend with 400 bucks in my pocket, and they didn't really like that too much. In the classical way? Or no, the, especially at that school. They did not, it was very formal. They did not like anything on the side. Which you university were, you went? Uh, at University of Georgia. Go dogs. That's right, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Uga, Uga. Yeah, Uga. Uga. So yeah, you study over there. Yeah. You study uh, in different language too. You have to sing in different languages. Yeah, definitely. Yep, for sure, like five or six or seven How many languages. years you did there? Uh, four. Four years, amazing. Well, technically, like three. And but you, and it's a, I have a four-year degree. How many instruments were you playing when you were there? Just one? Uh, well, I, I had clarinet for one year, and then I dumped it. But then you have to take enough piano to graduate. Wow. So you did piano. But I did take an oboe class. A oboe class, that's great. I took a conducting class. I mean, there's a lot yeah, of things of that you have to take. So. But no clarinet? Orchestration. Yeah, I took clarinet for a year, and then I stopped it. Because you have to focus. The program is yeah, very sure. intense. Yeah, so. I, 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 I think that. Uh, well, you have a different background than mine, definitely. Yeah, You're more formal. Yeah, uh, no, theory composition, yeah. you have to study that, orchestration, all of that stuff. Yeah, your amazing ears. I can't see where they come from, but. And all yeah. that geeky marching band, you know, being a marching band geek for all those years, man, you learned, that's where you learned how to count. It's, it's incredible. Because yeah, you did marching band. Too, I yeah. did, and it's it's not musical very much, but it's you just play as loudly as you can. Well, the marching <laughs> I mean, is great, yeah. But it's so much fun. It's so much fun. So, so, dif so dif yeah, to, your background is very different. Uh, different because, Completely different. Yeah, because at number one, I didn't go to music school. Uh, I had the opportunity, my mom said, and I said no, which was a mistake after that. It's one of the things that I don't have regret about it, but, you know, maybe I would, it would be better. But the good part about it is that when I started classical, my mom said to me, if you do guitar, I want you to take classical uh, guitar. I was, I was not into it too much. But then I found my first teacher, because all along my my youth, I had uh, many teachers in different styles. Because my goal was to learn different styles of music. I was attracted to different styles of music. Rock, blues, uh, uh, jazz, jazz too, and then uh, French music. I love French music. You know, my mom was listening to Edith Piaf. Let's not skin yeah. herself. She was listening a lot. Edith Piaf, Charles Trenet, Charles Aznavour. My mom was listening all that. So I was influenced by the, the, the... But I didn't go to school. I went. I did four years of classical with music. That was great because I was reading music. So that was good. I was playing stuff like Bourré. And, you know, and I was doing other stuff too. Um, Jeux Interdits, other classical stuff. Um, uh, that I was reading, my, my teacher, Veronique, was doing that. So I did that for four years. And then, of course, at 12 years old, my, my brother was pounding me with this music from England. I mean, he was pounding me all the time. And when he brought that Jimi Hendrix at the film, I was like, oh, yeah. I need an electric guitar. I need to make some noise. And so I asked my dad for that. Well, even me as a nerd, I was blown away when I heard that the I mean, first you, time. First, first thing from Hendrix I heard is that the film is Johnny Be Good. And of course, I heard Johnny Be Good from uh, Chuck Berry. When, when I heard that version, I was like, oh my God. Then I heard Machine Gun, 11 minutes, and yeah. I had to take a nap. I had to take a nap. I was so tired of that solo. I was like, whoa. But, but I did the classical, and then after that, what happened to me is that I got a blues, uh, I got a blues uh, uh, teacher who actually moved to L.A., And then I got, uh, I learned another permanent teacher. I learned a little bit of slide because I wanted to do that. And then I uh, didn't learn jazz, did not. But I had a girlfriend that was playing piano. So we were playing a lot of stuff together. Uh, you know, some, some song, Dio Strait songs. I remember playing that. But no, I didn't have a formal. A lot of teachers, that's what went from, from for me. It was a lot of teachers. Never went to, every time I was moving, every time I wanted to learn the new stuff. Then, you know, finger picking. I learned the finger picking too. I tell the teachers that show me how to do the finger picking with my, with my, uh, with my. Uh, oh, that's uh, a whole. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was difficult. But not chicken picking. 
No, 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 no. We didn't have country music over there. That's Tracy. true. All we have, all I had influences was blues, the English uh, wave, the the, yeah. the, the wave, the, the, like jazz and blues from and America. Yeah, we didn't have jazz much. Stuff. We did, we did. I listened to Miles Davis, Telenius Monk. Of course, I was my uncle was a jazz drummer, so he made yeah. me discover that my uncle Joe. So he made me discover uh, Uzeb and uh, Telenius Monk and uh, Miles Davis, of course, all that. But no, I didn't took jazz very early. I was listening to. Um, uh, gypsy jazz, of course, because he was in France all the time. Yeah. But no, a lot of wars and all stuff. But no formal music, no formal, no formal. I went to school, but I was able to read music, so that was fantastic. You know? But not not as efficient as you would do it. So that's, I mean, that's a different background than you. Well, also guitar, you don't need to on a clarinet. You really, yeah. if you're gonna play in a in a good group, point, Tracy, good point. You need to really be able to read what yeah. you're doing. Well, you know, you I mean, know? The, the thing about guitar is that it's. Solo and instruments, it's, it's uh, harmony. So what I was doing, plus the vo the voice. So I realized that I had the voice, the solo to express my freedom, and then the, the chord. So I had to work those three ones. So I was basically all the time trying to sing. I was busking a lot, you know, doing that or playing in bands or, you know, trying to. And put my friends and Beatles and all this stuff. Oh my God! If I was busking in but, Athens, but I, my dad would have had my head on a platter. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was making money, so I was doing. And I was singing "You Too." I was singing a lot, but I was—I wanted to sing and play. Yeah, and and, and that's what I did. I worked hard. With well, it's hard band. to do. Yeah, in trio, I was working hard in trio. I was doing um, uh, the vocals. And then when you play Hendrix, you play the vocals, you play the rhythm, and you play the solo. And I just hire a bass and drums, and that was good with it. You know? Well, it's hard to get, in the beginning, to get the coordination of doing the harmony as you're singing. Because she, at times you yes. have two different rhythms. You know, the vocals do a different rhythm than what the accompaniment should be doing. You know, the only, I would say, the, the, one of the things that brought me to jazz too was the rockabilly. Because there was a lot of, in rockabilly, there's a lot of fast note and a lot of liberties. And, you know, when I, when I encountered the Stray Cats, I, I heard Setzer doing these this runs, the, this, this jazz run. And, of course, with Django, too, but I heard that in, in Electric. That was different. It was mainly acoustic. But I remember being in the caravan of my dad, and I remember working on my acoustic guitar, working Cliff Gallop. And Gene, listening to Gene Vincent and trying to copy it. Same I did with a lot of those musicians. But really a fun time for me. I hope you too. It was a fun time. You know, so that's... And then after that, of course, you know, left. You you left. Oh. Right? When did you left? Oh, well, I left you in right I, after my last... I remember my last final. It was my biology test. I filled it out the last whole... You know, the last circle with my number two pencil put it down, walked out, went to my car and drove. Wow. That was it. I was done. And you end up in LA? What did you do in LA? You play. What did I do in LA? Yeah, I mean, you did you you sing? Well, first, yeah. I and just what? started anywhere I could. What kind of music? Only jazz. You did only jazz. You dropped the country. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's not where my heart was. Yeah. It, it's always going to be a part of who I am, but my the heart, the foundation yeah. is jazz. jazz. So I knew, yeah. and I knew so many tunes since classical I was a little too. kid. Of course. You, yeah. Because you, you did the classical. Of course. Yeah. So classical and, and, and jazz. And, but there's not really a lot of work in clubs doing arias. So, so you, you, did, <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. So you did a lot of kick. Yeah. Jazz I just kick. went out for that. I was just going after That's that. Great. And some, sometimes some pop, as long as they were ballads, I was okay with it. But, you know, and then I just got into the jazz scene. Pretty much right away, and took odd jobs, whatever I had to do. Yeah, that's uh, that's fun. And for me, it's same. What, but well, it was a little bit different because I went to when I left France, I went to uh, uh, England because I needed to learn more English, Tracy, to come to Eng mm -hmm. to, Amer to America. Well, at, at that time, I knew I had a feeling that I would go somewhere far, but I didn't know where. I thought maybe it was England, uh, which was not far from France. Or Australia, or, I don't know, somewhere. That's far from yeah, France. Yeah, some, somewhere was England, but I, yeah. I thought about America, of course. Uh, but yeah, I knew, I knew somehow that it would be somehow there. And uh, yeah, I went to, I went to England, and England, I uh, got a nice restaurant job, and then I played some music. So learned a lot of stuff. Again, blues. That's where mm -hmm. I recognized that. Then I moved to Belgium, and Belgium, I of course, Django. Come on, yeah. You know, Django was born in Liberty, so. Oof. 
That's it. It's the Django and a lot of jazz as well. Philip Catherine, uh, Toad Stillman's. But over there, I play blues, listen some jazz. Really good. Two years over there, you know, meet some amazing people, got some jobs at Sheraton and just support myself. Good, got, got another teacher over there and he started to teach me jazz, which was fantastic. Then I moved to LA. I decided to, I said, well, let's go. And I moved straight to LA. My friend was here and he was uh, uh, living with a dance of Madonna and he said, he said, I can't, you can come here. And then I came here and up, I started right away to plug in, went to the Harvels, <laughs> went to the Harvels, and then I took my bicycle right away when I arrived. Three months after, I was bicycling my guitar on the back, go to Harvels and play, oh. and did all the, you know, I was doing the circuit of a jam just to get and meet people. And then I, I started to get and play band. I did a French band, and, you know, my roommate was a bass player, African bass player, you know, so... I got connected and it was a fun time. A lot of gigs, a lot yeah. of gigs and, and a lot of fun time. So, you know, it's in all kind. I was playing in all kind of music. Maybe. Yeah, that that's what was I not did. my case. Yeah, I was, I was playing all kind. Jazz. I was playing funk. I was playing uh, 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 j- a swing. I was playing uh, uh, blues. I was playing uh, anything that I could find. Rock, you know, f- everything that I could find. It was very fun for that. But, um, you know, and then after that, of course, this how we met. So the you know, because you had your your things and I've had things. Oh, I was neck deep in jazz. You were neck deep. And I then, sure was. And then we now let's explain to people how we met. Yeah, how That's it even happened. Yeah. I mean, how would you even put these two clowns together? Well, <laughs> I mean, I, it's it's really bizarre. Well, some of you may know we're part of a Buddhist community, and there's activities and different in, common interests that people have. So there happened to be a big band that uh, was looking for a singer that's part of this, this Buddhist community. So I'd gotten word of it, and I was like, okay, well, I'll go down there. I brought the one chart that I had, and it happened to be an original tune that was and extremely hard, hard. Yeah, I remember. The, the, char- the chart was really hard because it was really fast tempo. and I was playing guitar for that band, yeah. and I saw that charts coming. Freddie Green style. Yeah, yeah Freddie Green style, yeah. yeah. And, and I saw that, 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 that chart arriving, and I'm like, Whoa, and I saw the tempo. I was like, Whoa, she better deliver that. And I heard that, and I was like, Whoa, yeah, it was pretty fun. But I want, I had the one chart, and I showed up, and I thought, I was, Wow, this is great. I have a chart, I know. So then, you know, fronted that band with my uh co fronter who has since passed, rest his soul, Phil. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and through that, just uh, built up a bunch of charts. So now I have like 35 big band charts, which is great. But we had worked in that band together. And, you know, being a male-dominated field, I don't think of anything, you know, it's just a bunch of guys. It like, was whatever. fun. I had fun. Yeah, I, I remember I remember. I co-starred that band. We were playing. You know, that the, I don't know if you know that, but before we started that big band, it was, uh, we were playing Slide and the Family Stone funk music, like, Stuff like well, that's what we're doing, and then it turned out to become a big band because I saw so many horns coming. Yeah, and John. Oh, and that's cool. And that John, was... They were floating. They was we were they were coming. They heard about us. Oh, I'm sure they wanted to and, play. Yeah, they wanted to play, and we got so many of them that we. John John said maybe probably we had to turn some away. Yeah, we said well, let's do a big band, and we did that big that's band. That's just great. And so uh, you know, it was, it was such a good time. Oh, it was an amazing, it was amazing super time. fun. But we had worked in that band together for a long time before anything even happened. We'd walk across the street together, a group yeah. of us, get a snack in between rehearsals, whatever. And then but, one day... And then we played at the Culver, some Culver City poli- fundraiser yeah. for the police department. And then a group of us went out afterwards, went to the Polo Lounge, and and then uh, we were the only ones left. That's right. And that was the end of that. And the Polo Lounge, that's where me and Tracy met. Not met, but... Uh, yeah, that was like the first, yeah, they, the first hookup, so, yes, so definitely. to speak. definitely. And then we carry on working in that big band together. It was fun. And then we, uh, and what happened at that time? I was playing uh, Django stuff. Yeah, a lot a, of Django stuff. Yeah, I was stuff. playing a lot of. Uh, I play at the Nam Show. The Nam Show. Yeah, I was Nam Show. And then I remember we play for uh, John Pierce and Steve Lukather came and saw us playing Django. The band was Swing Finger, and and he saw us play, and he's like, Django, and he was yeah. like so funny. He took a picture with us and. It was really fun, but yeah, I was playing a lot of Django. And then I remember I was you came to the gig one time in the valley, and I remember you, I was going back to to you were back, going back home. I said, 
you should come and sing a song. And then what happened is that we had a, a French festival, Buddhist French festival. And then you started to sing. A, yeah, I sang one song. One song, or, Autumn Leaves. Or two. One song, no, it Autumn was one. Leaves. Yeah, it was I, Autumn Leaves in yeah. French. And even in college, I avoided French because it's very hard for Americans. That, it was always my hardest language of the all the languages we had to sing in <laughs> as a voice major. So, But yeah, I, I bumbled my way through that. And then uh, he later found out that because I was really attracted to that gypsy jazz music. I thought it was very up spirit and reminded me of the old Warner Brothers cartoons because <laughs> it was, or no, the old Mickey Mouse, sorry, Mickey Mouse. So, um, yeah, then after that, you found out that I had played clarinet oh, in my no. sordid past. I was, it was a shock. And I me. hadn't touched it since my first or my first year as a music major. It so. was a shock for me. And I was like, yeah. you play clarinet? Like, what? Let's, oh, let's go. And we so did then that. we started. I decided to buy one, bought one from a friend who's a sax player, very well established. She said, I'm never going to play it. I have five saxophones to deal with. You can buy it from me. So I bought it from him. And then I started reading music again on the on the horn. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. It starts coming back. And then we got our first gig, and I knew four songs on paper, and I would not get off the paper. And from I was that, terrified. And I think from that, Tracy, from that first gig, we went on to play so many gigs. Oh. All kind of gigs from, 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 I mean, think about it. With that band, you know, we went, we, we did about 150 gigs a year. Well, we would 200. do, sometimes we would do three in a day. Three, yeah, in a day. And then we end up playing at the HBO uh, with that Emmy band. parties. Emmy parties, two times. Yeah, two of them. Uh, you know, big stage. And we, it was amazing. I mean, we got that. And people really loved it because it was Django music. And plus there was a big wave in the 2000s. That uh, wave, the, the, it was, yeah, it was, it was late, 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 late 2000, yeah, mid, mid to that, maybe that. Six through eight, six nine, eight, yeah. something like it was that. The, the, yeah, the, 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 it, was, it was quite big everywhere, and it was coming up, and we played a lot of Gypsy Jazz gig. But in the meantime, I remember I met, I saw a band in 2000s called Paris Combo, mm -hmm. and I saw that band, and the first time I, I met those guys, and I was like, this band is incredible. Like an African guy, a gypsy guy, an Australian guy, a French a French girl playing a clarin, uh, accordion and singing, and a, a drummer. And all together, pulling the influence, I saw them, I was blown away. Then I told you, we need, you need to meet that band, you need to see that band. And we yeah. went to San Francisco. And they have a sound, it's that oh, it's amazing. jazz cabaret with a lot of use of chromatics, but European, and you have the African influence. I mean, it was just amazing. They called Paris Combo. Yeah, so that kind of was what started us to think about what we can do to fuse our backgrounds. Yeah. And what are my strong influences? Well, obviously jazz and the country from my childhood. Yeah. So, and with you being the rockabilly and the gypsy jazz, jazz yeah. primarily, yeah. you know, blues and all that stuff yes. too. But th those are yes, like your main loves. And so we tried to whip this thing together into some kind of melange. Yeah. And uh, that's what we did. And because of Paris Combo, we wrote our first song, yeah. which is Je ne suis pas comme toi on the first, the first album. album. Yeah, first album. And it's that use of chromatics, and we kind of use their writing as a model to some degree. But yeah, you go on the web. If you go on the website, thevignettes.com, you can hear it, read the uh, the explanation of what that that music content every uh, contain everything that is in there. Just read it. It's on what is Gypsy Billy on the, on our yeah. website, and you'll figure out. But basically, yeah, so that's we wrote what we did, and we really took the time to craft. And yes. how do we? weave these styles in here and it not come what off. What was the biggest challenge for you for that? Oh, probably, dang, you know, I don't really know. You don't really know? Uh, not during that time. I think because it was so uncharted that I just didn't really think about it. I think the challenges came later. Yeah. Plus, you know? plus, you. I write music since I'm very young. You did too, but... Not like that, though. Not I like mean, me, I, always had, I was writing a lot of music. Yeah. I, I would make stuff up, stuff up in third grade on the piano when we were living on bass and, you know, stuff like that. And I was really embarrassed. I was always very self-conscious of it. And I don't... It's the most... To me, it's the most exposed that you can be as a human being is when you reveal something yeah, that you wrote. Sure. You sound the way you sound. You can improve on your tone. I'm like, eh, you like it, you don't. Big deal. But when you write and you think and you create and you're like, I made this. Yes. 
and you just feel like you could be judged so easily, but I don't care now. But in the very beginning, that's why I didn't really get into the writing until later. The hard part Hardcore. with Gypsy Billy was, uh, um, uh, was to harmonically keep it not too complicated and use those, those harmonies from the gypsies, keep, keep it driving. And then the hard part was the guitar mixing the Django licks with yeah. the rockabilly licks. That was really, I had to study hard for a long, a long way, about 18 months to two years to just try to put together how, how all the Django leaks that I knew, plus all the rockabilly leaks and see which one works together. And, you know, the arpeggio and stuff. It was really hard. But then we did the first album. Yeah, we released that in We whipped out in 09. And then yep, we whipped out the second then one. Then a second one in 12, 12. which is what uh, allowed us to become voting members of the Recording Academy. So we vote on the Grammys. But but and but but then we decide to go into technology. Yeah, we took a kind of a I wouldn't say a break, but we had to take the time to learn stuff because we got logic and oh loaded gosh. it in and didn't we just looked at the screen like we didn't even know what to do. So at the time, Apple had a program called One to One where when you buy something, a software or one of their devices that you could purchase for twelve months, one lesson a week for a hundred bucks. And you go once a week. So I used to do that at Beverly Center before they were even open at 8 a.m. once a week. I'd take all the notes, and then I'd bring it back to him. Yeah. And then he would work on it while I was off teaching yeah. during the day. So. And what I would do is just put them in action and then, and then show it to you so you learn too. I mean, it was, it was like, so overwhelming in the beginning. And Yeah, and then we did that with other uh, uh, software. You know, everything that was falling into our, our hands, we would do that. Yep. And then uh, and you just we, have to take the time. Yeah, we did that. We did that while we still playing a lot of, of of gypsy jazz. And then we and then after that, uh, you you remember we went on a spree. We decided. Oh my to, God! We went like cuckoo crazy with the writing, starting maybe around 2014, and yeah. just wrote, 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 wrote. wrote. And wrote. that's why people said, "Oh, there's no album between 12 and and 18." The reason is because between 12 and 15 and 16, we were doing that technology and we were writing too yeah, a lot. Yeah, it's I don't know however many songs. Yeah, I mean, when, when I think when we did volume four and volume volume three and volume uh, three and four, we had about 40, 45 songs. I remember that. And then we carry on and said, let's write some other stuff. Yeah. Because we, we Cause my rule is yes. that no idea gets discarded. Exactly. So you may think it's a piece of poo, but someone else might like it. So no matter what it is, when you have an idea, just finish it. And now we got the library. And in this library, we... we, we and the all new, kinds of styles. Yeah, and, and all kinds of styles. And and we we put out the, the, the 18 album, volume three, uh, let's see the road, and then after that we put we, we 2020. Have, we did volume four, red, white, and blue, and now we're doing um, releasing one in tw spring of 2022, which is going to be volume five, huh? Yep, volume five with the cover this time. Yes, we're doing cover song. We have five covers and uh, five originals. So and, and then part two we'll have a, yeah, and that's we're just going to carry on with volumes. Volumes, yeah. So just that, be prepared. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're, that, they're that, coming. But yeah, yeah, it's been a lot of writing. You know, so I, I writing think is fun that you have to just release what's in you, no yeah, matter so, what it is. I mean, for us, we have to say that writing songs really it's great, it's great for us. Yeah, I'm just glad on this last album that that oh my god, my electric piano is super duper old, it's an old Korg C505, but the action is so great. And thankfully, we had finished recording for volume five. Unbelievable. I had my brother come over to do a sax solo. And I wanted to play him something on the piano. It wouldn't work. We and just so it just to took a, a a dive. This so. album is going to be a little bit different. And we did we did we we pick a couple of songs from the from the uh, from the library because we thought that somewhere uh, you're here. It's cool. It's a little bit different, but it's really yeah. It's it's really fun. It's really fun. It's going to be a good one. And then there will be a part two that's coming. It's going to be so much fun. And then more. You'll see. But. So that's pretty much our journey in, in a nutshell. Yeah, that's a, the nutshell version. We could go on for hours and hours and, you know, don't want to, maybe unless you have insomnia, it might help you, but so, you know, <laughs> we don't want to bore anybody. As we were talking about that, I, a question came to my mind. Now, you've been doing it for a long time like me. Yeah, yeah since yeah. I was a kid. So, so what keeps you doing that? I don't think I really have a choice. I think it shows me. I always felt like that. Oh, a good point. Because I think that uh, 
if it weren't for this, if I had to choose, I might choose to do something else. Yes. Um, but I think that it chose me a long time ago. So it chose, same me, I think so. I heard so much music that Because I, I always say, at times I go, oh, I want to stop doing this. It's uh, just, a, 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 you know, when you have your freak out yeah. modes, your artist, you know, yeah. dark times. Every artist goes through that. But I think that, uh, you know, you say you want to stop, but you can't. It's sort of like the ring. Once you see it, you can't, you know, for me it's <laughs> unsee the, it. For me, it's the best things that I, I, I think I do the best. That No doubt. It's something that... I, I I have pleasure. Time passed by. Every time I do music, the, the, the clock goes so fast and I never know. the time. It's some time, timeless. That's one reason I do, I'll do it. It's like a suspension yes. in time. But I do think that sometimes it's not even coming from me. But like for I'm, me, I'm just channeling things. Yeah, that's right. But, you know? but I, personally, I enjoy doing it because it's the creative part and then playing is fun. The writing is more fun. <laughs> And then playing gigs is good. You meet people, you you play, you, you you it goes from the paper to the to the recording is amazing. That's why I keep doing it and I love it. But you know Well, so I've heard people uh, say, Well, why do you keep doing this then if if you're not always thrilled with it because not everybody loves their work. You know, how many people do you know yeah, that have yeah. that you've met that don't love their work? And yeah, as much as I love this, it's it at times can be a love hate relationship with it. Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, it, it could be like this. But I why? Would, but why do you keep doing that? I mean, I keep doing it because I love it. Because time passed by. Because as well, I love. It's gonna stay forever. That's another thing I realized one day. I was like, oh wait a minute, if I do a song, number one, it's gonna stay forever. That song is written, recorded, boom, bam, bam. Up, that's it. People are gonna listen. Maybe and and another thing too. I think it's a selfish things because I don't listen my music. So once it's recorded, once we record it, I don't. I, I like to give it out. Listen, enjoy, and I do that for the people. Well, I think I keep doing it because again, I don't think I. I kind of have options. You could consciously make a choice and say I'm not going to do it, but there's always going to be that drug temptation, like like yeah. an addict. Yeah, you know, sure. I don't think it's anything that you make a choice to even do. I think yeah. it, it chose me, and I think that's why I carry on with it. Yeah, definitely. But uh, Now, what know. would you have done if not music, oh, in oh, a oh. realistic sense? I think I would have been in the restaurant business because uh, it, it kept me afloat when I was uh, yeah. uh, taking a lot of lessons. Paid a lot of, that restaurant business paid a lot of lessons for me. And I was really good at it, too, uh, by the fact that I was uh, yeah, working in high-end restaurant in France and in England and Belgium. I worked to Sheraton, which some story will come in part three. Oh, People, yes, in, at the Sheraton Hotel, I'll tell you a few stories. You're going to freak out uh, what happened to me in that Sheraton. You know, first time I worked for an American company. But uh, yes, I would have been in the restaurant business. Well, since I was so good in math and science and the honor student, blah, 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 I probably would have been in medicine. Medicine for you. Yep. Yeah. Maybe DVM, don't know. You know, uh, the, the veterinarians aren't, you know, there's some things that you have to do that I would not want to do. Euthanasia would be very hard for me. That's why I probably would have gone into human medicine, some kind of MD somewhere. And and you, uh, uh, just a sentence came to my mind right now. Being jobless doesn't mean being missionless. And to me, I'd like to find out what what do you think since you're an artist? What do you think is your personal mission as an artist? I mean, where where do you where do you fit in the society, and where is your contribution to society with your music? Well, I think it's to help others become happy in any way, and I think music is the most effective way of doing it. It's passing along your life experiences. It's a passing along any kind of hope that I yeah. think. And I think that's why it's been good writing with you because I can be very dark by nature, which is very easy to write. But I like now to write things that are happy because that's the life that I want to have. Well, thank you. I don't want to live in darkness. That's super easy to do. It's yeah. an auto default setting for me. Big time. It can be super easy. So let's well, write about you, things that 
we, I, that's how I want my future to be. I want it to be colorful and happy and joyful. I don't want it to be dark. Maybe that's why you're attracted to the 50s and rockabilly where it's colorful in the cars yeah, and everything. It's, and it's, gypsy jazz, because come on, it's you, super you, happy. you listen to gypsy jazz, the music is so up yeah. spirit. Oh, no, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. That's why Mickey Mouse is like, dee, 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 you know, in all those cartoons. It grabs you. That's it's a, totally happy music. So imagine a, a mix of Gypsy Billy, a, a Gypsy Billy, a mix of rockabilly, Gypsy jazz, and then, of course, the cool country. That's upbeat, too, and spirit, and then some jazz. Oh, but you I know, love the really jazz. Good. Yes, of course, of course. Of course. Yeah, but for me, the, the, the musician is mainly, he has to do probably with my body, Buddhist practice, where um, I'm, Mentor and disciple to me. I mean, the protege, the protege, and and the and the and the mentor, and I I hooked up a lot with that. And I remember when I arrived in this country, first person people say, "Oh, you play music, or oh, you should meet Bianca." Well, bring it on, and that's what I did. But to be honest with you, it's that relationship, it's that relationship of people showing me uh, that. You can change the world, and you hear people saying, "Wow, because of that song, I got through my divorce, or I got through that, or right. I got through that." And so that inspired me to write because I get feedback, and people say, "Oh, like the other day, somebody said, oh, my, I loved your music. It's so happy.'" And I was like, yeah. "Listen, Tracy, it's amazing." But you never know that, what you're going to do that's going to exactly. strike a chord with someone. Exactly. So, Where they're going, it's going to resonate with them, and how it's going. That's part of our job. So that, that's right. That's part of our job as musician. And my mission is to. And I think we have a moral obligation for that. I uh, totally agree. That's the right word to say. Uh, a moral obligation. And no we, matter what your fan base yes. is, how big it is or that, how small it is, right. I think you do have a moral obligation. As an artist. And that's why we try to do that and commit to it, commit uh, to creativity to that. Mm -hmm. So that that's my mission. I think it's my personal mission as an artist is to mainly and and as well awaken people, awaken people to greatness and waking not that say the music, but greatness means like to to your happy side more than to your, your dark own side greatness. and to your own greatness. That's why mm -hmm. to your own greatness mm -hmm. and helping them. That's it. But um, I so, know it sounds flighty, but it's true. It's true. I don't care. I mean, and it's it a mission because we do it. You, 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 people, we work hard. You know, artists work hard. I mean, everybody works hard. But uh, you got to work hard. You, it's it's 90% of ground and 10% of, oh, the album is out. That's it. You know, so it is a, it is a mission. 99% grind, 1% shine. Correct. Exactly. Yep, that's so it, it is. is a mission for but sure. But you know, part of it too, and I have to be honest, it's for self-expression. Like there's nothing, too. because you get in that space when you are creating, I, I do at times feel the same thing when I'm in the process of cooking or something like that but but when you're really expressing through music you're kind of I feel like sometimes I'm in a sphere and I'm alone and I'm just floating and there's no time yeah indeed. there's no space no time it, it's you're just kind of existing that's all yes so uh, it's the season of Grammy right now it is the Grammy we, season we just voted we just voted we were sitting on the couch and we watched the Grammy and one day we said we gotta get there and we did and we're going, but now it's Grammy season and we vote. Now, voting is really interesting because you meet a lot of artists and that's mainly why we do that. I think it's the best part. It's the best part. About uh, being yes. an Academy member and especially a voting member because you can meet with people, relate on that level. And we've listened to a lot of amazing music yeah. this year. From I mean, it's that way every year. From all over the world. Yeah, yeah, it's global. That's and that's right. a great thing about technology is you can get it very, very quickly. Yeah, now and nowadays, yeah. And so we have a lot of friends who were nominated so, this year, which is cool. You know, I have, an, I have a question to ask you concerning, of course, because you're formal, uh, uh, you have a formal uh, education, I'm sure it was really struggling to do, uh, to work uh, in uh, long hours. But as now that you, as an artist, as a writer, as an uh, arranger, a producer and and singer and musician, what's your what is your biggest challenge for you? I well, mean, as an as an artist, what what was the, the challenge that you encountered? I think the biggest challenge for me as an artist, and it will be till from it has been since the beginning of time, and it will be to the end of the time for me, is getting over myself. Oh, getting over yourself. Yeah, getting out of my own way, no matter what it is, Brilliant. because. I come from, and we all come from different walks of life, but I had a father who's very critical. Of course, now he has amnesia concerning that, but he's very much a disciplinarian and 
That's funny. I'd bring home a math test. It would be a 96. It's not, wow, that's great. It's what did you miss? You know, that kind of thing. So when you grow up around that and you have that kind of criticism, I have that kind of self-criticism. So I still do the comparative when I I play a solo, not, not on the voice so much at at all, but when it comes to that, I always feel like I'm always not where I want to be. I want to redo it. I want it just a little bit more. Can I, I, you know, it's like I'm always chasing greatness. Yes. Oh, and I, I just need to get out of my own way and know that I'm not going to be like him. He's a master and he's been playing this longer than yeah. I've been alive. You know, some of my it's musical like idols. It's like me with Django. We chase his, well, chase, everyone's going to chase we're, him. We're chasing genius here. So, yeah, difficult. But um, so that's your challenge. Getting I would out of say the way. that's the biggest challenge for me is just getting out of my own I way. I think for me, the challenge is to stay focused because I play so many styles of music. That sometimes it's, I love Gypsy Billy, it's my favorite music due to the fact that he encompasses so many styles and I can express myself. But for me, it's really, uh, uh, as an artist, is to really stay focused when I write a song, when we write a song, is to stay focused and make sure that that song doesn't go everywhere. Well, and, 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 you know, funny and, yeah. that you say that too, because this is was a problem for me in the beginning, is I another challenge for me is to write things that don't sound so jazzy wow. is to G jazz yeah, myself. D- you know, jazz remember we had that problem in the beginning, everything I was writing was too jazz and it wasn't I helped you a lot with that. I had to de jazz myself and now I can do the switch. Yeah. I still, it's always my default setting, but it, that's, a, that's another technical harmonic yes. challenge that I have. I think for people who have that problem with talking to one music, listen to other music and, and compare and listen to Frazee. You know, I was glad that I was helping you with that because yeah. I listen to a lot of different music and I come from a lot of music. And so therefore I listen and learn music through, but through it's listening so funny. The, the, the melody. When you, you know? are in your element, I know. like I'm in a jazz tune, even a country tune, because it's something yeah. that's from my childhood. Yes. It's just so easy. <laughs> but then when you go and yeah. God, don't put me in a pop song. I can't do those. Well, I can't. We, I mean, we write them anyway. I don't yeah. care good, bad or ugly. They're getting written. Well, we, what we do is we simplify and um, I, I, I have, I enjoy simplifying. Because it's kind of funny. I sometimes. tell you, I tell you when, you know how I learned to simplify things, Tracy, very simple. I went to see some, Musician, and one particular came in my mind is Mark Knopfler. Mm-hmm. Mark Knopfler is a type of guy, and you know it from his catalog, where he can play a lot of stuff, but he's always holding back. Yeah. And his melodies are very simple. He's not a great singer, arrange wise. He's a great singer of what he does for his song. But what I'm saying is that he, he always hold back. You know what the word? Holding back. And so I learned from listening to his melody and learning them and singing them, like Romeo and Juliet or Telegraph Road or or even uh, uh, other st- other from, from Well, his from melodies early. too are almost a little bit spoken. Exactly. So it's it and he was you know that one one thing. And then of course when you listen to Michael Jackson, you can see how the it's really 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 simplified and it's not complicated you know it's not i'm bad i'm bad and yeah you know it's it's a but yeah it's simple that was so challenging i mean it's still challenging for me because i want to you know but i'm glad swing everything you know know. it's ridiculous but but when you grow up listening to ella fitzgerald it's really hard to not Swing everything. But we did good. I think we're doing yeah. good. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, I think and, we're progressing. And I think between you and me, we balance very well on that. And uh, and we'll keep going on to the. But they are, that, for me, the, the, my challenge is to not to stay, not to bring too much element into a song. And, and it, that's why we keep it to four for Gypsy Billy. But even if I'm not, I got, hey, wait a minute. Sometimes I'm playing a solo and you said, <laughs> I said, stay in the, stay in the cold. So stay in the. I stay, stay inside. Stay inside yeah. because I go out and it's my jazz coming up and I'm playing a country solo. And then I start to, to make those, those jingle stuff. And it's like, oh, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Stay no. inside. So you see, it's, I have to focus. That's the biggest challenge for me. And then the other biggest challenge is when I sing. That's another one, singing, make sure that I sing good, singing in time and enjoy singing. Harmony is really hard for me. I, I, I can't reproduce them, but I can't deliver them on the spot. On the spot I, yeah. I, yeah, but I, I'm getting better at it and I know that I will more. 
but that's one of the, the hardest things for me, no doubt. So, yeah. But I think also what's improved uh, is sticking when we decided harmonically to, simpl- to simplify the songs. Yes. Well, I think we, that that's gotten better for me. Yeah, it's well, like just, you know, go one, four, five, yeah. you know, and keep it pretty clean because a lot of those pop songs are just simple. Well, like, like, like uh, for example, on, uh, on this new album, there's some sim- simplified, oh, Red, White, and Blue is simplified. But then you look at the the, the, the one that's going to come up, like Bern, for example, they still have those diminished, yeah. those, those, those descending yeah. chromatic, and that's part of what we are, Tracy. No matter what, you, we can't de-jazz. Oh, I want to get rid we, of it. <laughs> yeah, we can't de-jazz ourselves. We, it's part of the four elements of that music, Gypsy Billy. So. Um, but yeah, those are the challenges, and those are hard challenges too. Every day we got to stay on it. And then uh, now, um, people, we just wanted to tell you what we're going to do in the future? Well, it's simple, like we mentioned before, is mainly writing, writing. We are looking from now to 2030, right? And see what we're going to do musically from the next eight, nine years. We know that we have probably four albums coming up. We just met some friends in Europe that play gypsy music, the Jane Gold Star, and they just offered to play on the next, on an album. And they're yeah. great accordion player, great guitar player, great violinist. And so we might do an instrumental and incorporate them. In yeah, it. I just so, think it's a, a matter of carrying on the volumes. Exactly. Oh, yes. You know, because right. it's going to be a numbered series just from here on out. It's just easier to track. And if you're an artist and you need some song, maybe you know, 100 songs of the library, if there's something yeah. that you would like to hear. or something like that. Yeah, 130. If there's some, and we even have instrumental for, for placement. Uh, but for licensing, it, for licensing yeah. But if you guys, are, some, we, you know, an artist that needs music or song, just come to us and you know we'll produce him. We just did that with a, one artist and uh, just just bring it out to us and we'll we mix it up between writing for us, writing for others, um, and uh, producing for others, make and then playing live. That's it. But we're enjoying our time very much. Do you? Yeah. yeah. And I'm definitely going to be enjoying my kitchen, but the cookies yes. are going to get fired up here really soon. Yes, because it's, it's, it's Christmas time. So here we go. Um, 2021, we did a bunch of those uh, 12. It was 12 in the, uh, in the year, 12 um, uh, podcasts. And our first guest was this year. Mm-hmm. And so now we're going to uh, go into the next uh, year and we have a guest right away. Because we are doing a topic that is very, I think, very interesting for us. It's called energy. That will be the next topic. It uh, will be energy. We'll have a guest, a uh, friend it's of ours. It's going to encompass uh, various things about energy. Yeah, the energy. The, inter- the, the mix between the new energy, the old energy, and the internal energy. That's what it's mm-hmm. going to be. Well, thank you for listening to uh, that. And uh, how about we go to Christmas Fun fact. Do you have one? Oh, I have a great one. Oh, my God. You know, everybody knows about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, right? Well, the whole story started in 1939 at Montgomery Wards. It was an old department store, I guess second to maybe Sears and Roebuck, I think, uh, in Chicago. And they used to give out free coloring books to kids. They'd give out like $2.4 million a, a season. It was crazy. Well, at the time, they were looking to do something rather than buying these coloring books as having their own. So they had a guy who was a copywriter for the store, and I guess worked in the ad department, Robert L. May, and they asked him to come up with some kind of concept for this. So he created a poem uh, about a fictional reindeer. And did you know Rudolph originally did not have a shiny red nose? He did not? No, because that was a shiny red, a big red nose was associated with alcoholism. And they did not oh. want that what year was to be that? part of their campaign in 1939. Uh, yeah. So he came up with this whole idea of the poem about Rudolph the red nosed reindeer. And. He had got, had some tragedy in his life. His wife passed away, and so he wanted to take care of his daughter, and his daughter loved to go to the zoo, and she loved deer. So, Fantastic. And not, so he just thought, oh, I was paid my salary, and that's it, and that was part of my job. Well, later, Sewell Avery, who was the company's president, remarkably in 1946 gave him the rights to his work. Nice. So I think the rest is kind of history. Great. So. I have another fact. I have a fun fact too. But that's our beloved Rudolph. I have a fun fact. 
How fun is it? Well, it's part because it's about the Statue of Liberty. Okay. Yeah, and, and do you know the Statue of Liberty was gifted to the U.S. by the French? Yes, yes, we give it to America. And that's why I came to America, because I give it to them. And then they, we, we, in my past life, maybe, and then they, and then they said, Fabrice, come here. We, we got you. No, it was gifted to U.S. by the French <laughs> on Christmas Day, 1886. So it had to be a past life. He weighed 225 tons. Wow, I'd hate to wrap that thing. Yeah, exactly. And therefore, therefore, ladies and gentlemen, bam, it's the biggest Christmas gift in the world ever. Well, I think it's pretty sweet Christmas gift. Thank you. Merci beaucoup. I have an interesting spotlight. For those of you Gmail users, oh, it drives me bananas when you look at your email chain and it's a mess. So there's a way to reverse chronologically look through your emails. There's a little tiny app that you can download called Cloud. You have to go to Cloud HQ and look for that, which will sort your emails so you have the most recent on the top. So it's a little app. Cloud HQ, it'll save you a lot of grief. <laughs> Great. I have a quote to finish this podcast. It is a quote by the uh, wonderful Charlie Parker, and it goes as like this. Quote, music is your own experience, your thoughts, your wisdom. If you don't leave it, it won't come out of your instrument. There we go. Pretty sweet. Thank you so much for listening to us. Yeah, thank you very much. Remember, um, if you want to email the show, it's rockyourlife at thevignatis.com. That's T-H-E-V-I-G-N-A-T-I-S. Also, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. That would be awesome. And uh, check out our uh, website as well, thevignatis.com. And uh, thank you so much for listening. This Have evening. a safe and happy holiday season. Yes, enjoy. Uh, spin that dreidel, eat those latkes. And remember, we are here to help you rock your life. Jingle bells, jingle bells.